Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of Gym Class All-Stars. As always, we're sponsored by Vigit. Bet fake coins, win real prizes. Like we said, the Super Bowl promotion is still going on. What that means is if you win in terms of betting for the week, you're entered in a raffle to win Super Bowl tickets, which to me, for being free, pretty solid gift. And uh, if you're good at sports betting, unlike myself, you'll probably win it. All right. So, Robbie, I have a bit of surprise for you. Oh, boy. It is currently December. And what does that mean in terms of just the world? The beginning of December. Beginning of December, I mean, it's, it's Christmas time, right? The world completely revolves to the religion I am not. <laughs> sure. But let's just get rid of all that. Let's get rid of Christmas. Let's get rid of Hanukkah. I know. The most important thing about December, Robbie is Spotify wrapped. Oh, you're and right. And as a podcast, we got ours. So I'm going to, let's see if I can share my screen. I can. Are you ready? Oh, I'm so ready. Let's see how we did. Can you see that? Oh, no. Uh, it I, says Alex Baker started sharing screen. That is what I see. You can see that now. Now I can see it. Oh, boy, All this right. is exciting, guys. So first things first. You had a lot of firsts this year. Well, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> We released the Urban Meyer Jacksonville Jaguars conspiracy on January 4th, which I still think was a top tier conspiracy theory. Oh, one of our very best episodes. That's episode 20 for anybody looking back. And that one should have gained more traction because who would have thought I was right about Justin Fields being better than right. Trevor Lawrence? Jury's <laughs> still out on that, though. A little bit. Definitely. <laughs> They're both awful. We got some streams in Germany. Hey, that that's before from. I started dating a German girl. Very nice. All right. I like that. We're effectively. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to take a little picture of that. Send that one to her. She'll like that. We're multinational at this point. so. Oh, yeah. We're all over the world. Let's see what else. You had some impressive growth this year. We just <laughs> 999 plus hours. <laughs> I don't know if I'm offended or not. I think I am, but. Well, we, we had, what, like, maybe half a year of episodes, so it makes sense that it just it exponentially jumped. Yep. But, let's see, we didn't just double our listeners. We, let's see, if we had, it would triple them, geez. We, we had then, we had two, an, up, an uptick of 255% in terms of listeners, so thank you guys. Really, really appreciate the love we're getting this year. Wow, incredible. And then, it's a lot of growth, that's good. You and your fans had a moment, many of them. Oh, no. What happened oh, I'm here? I'm excited. Six fans <laughs> listen to you more than any other podcast. That's actually, I think it's kind of impressive when you think about it. To you, to you six fans, you are our heart and soul. You're the, you're the core just, of our that, fan base. That just means they listen to us more than any other podcast. Doesn't mean just listeners. No, no, exactly. Those, those six, they're the homies. They Elite. I assume our parents are in that list somewhere. <laughs> I hope so. Oh, boy. So now I got some global stuff. Oh, okay. 45% of our fans listen to us between 11 a.m. and 5 p.m. Hey, you got to get your sports betting in. We know what we're talking about. Yeah, that's fair enough. And we released th over 3,000 minutes of content. So it's 50 hours. In 40 episodes, that's pretty solid. 
And then, yep, that's our Spotify wrapped. I know the audio listeners cannot see it, but I thought that would be good to share with Ravi because I didn't get a chance to view it. No, it was enjoyable. It's, we, this is a good year for our podcast. First, first full year doing it, a lot of success. So like I said, you know, during that though, thank you to all our listeners. Though. We, we really appreciate, you know, the support you're giving us. And yeah, obviously you're why we keep doing this. So, so thank you. Okay, so let's get into what everyone came here for, which was actual sports coverage. This episode will probably be a little shorter, you know, knock on wood. But uh, the big thing yesterday was Championship Sunday, or sorry, Championship Saturday. I'm off the wall here. <laughs> and because of all this, we got some clarity on the different rankings, especially for top 25 and also for the top four that will go to the college football playoff. By far, though, the best game on Saturday was the Big 12 championship game. Baylor started off up 21-3. Oklahoma State slowly chipped away. And then on two straight drives, they were not able to punch it in for a game-tying touchdown. And Including getting stopped an inch away. Yes. The fourth down, right at the, <clears throat> the end of the game, short by literally six inches. And... Heartbreaking loss for Oklahoma State would not have put them in the playoffs anyway, judging by how it actually seeded out. But <clears throat> exciting game nonetheless. Oh, yeah. SEC championship game. Bama showed everyone why they're the top dog still and blew the brakes off the number one. What Georgia I've been team. explaining to everybody is in a year where we, we finally have no Clemson, we finally have no Ohio State. We weren't going to get so lucky to not have all three in there. Bama is the best team in college football. They went out, they proved it. Um, by beating Georgia in that SEC championship, undefeated Georgia until that point. And then finally, the Big Ten championship game, which uh, I'd like to think I accurately predicted, Michigan blew the brakes off of Iowa 41-3. L- let me say something. The f- Iowa's first half defense, other than the two big plays they gave up, you know, minus, minus the two big touchdowns, was solid. It, it was doing enough to keep them in the game. I got two people to blame for this loss for Iowa, other other than the entirety of the second half. Number one is coach Kirk Ferentz. I have never liked him, and I have never been given reason to like him because he is so good at getting Iowa to almost being a good football team, but never over the hump of actually being one. And he proved that yesterday. And number two, kind of still on Kirk Ferentz for not choosing to go with the backup, is Petrus, the quarterback for Iowa. He was all year in my opinion, the worst quarterback in the Big Ten. Other other than the backup that came in for Penn State, he was probably the worst quarterback in the Big Ten. But Petrus is terrible. He doesn't know how to throw a football. And so many times Michigan was trying to deep, you know, dive it down the field. And that's not even his his skill set. His skill set is the check downs, the 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 short game and the run game. Not throwing it down the field, Iowa kept making that mistake. Writing was on the wall for Michigan though. You were right. You know, this this was not a close game and clearly never going to be a close game. But, uh, you know, if any team was going to beat my school, I'm glad it was Michigan. Love the Wolverines. So hats off to them. I just saw this crazy stat. They have the most wins in college football history, and this will be their first appearance in the college football playoff ever. Obviously, the playoff hasn't been around too, too long, but still kind of crazy that the most winningest team in college football history is just now getting into into the college playoff. Yeah, and then I guess this is a great segue to talk about the playoff. So we got some clarity, got our seating. Bama did not lose, which was sort of the catalyst for a lot of our 
wild predictions last week. What I will say, though, here's the rankings. Bama number one, not shocking with the way they performed against Georgia. Number two is Michigan. Literally a Michigan State loss away from being number one easily. Yeah. And then Georgia number three. And then Cincinnati, the underdog team, they won their game against Houston. They are also in. Hey, that's fair. What I will say... So, I'm not surprised with Bama. I'm not surprised with Georgia. I'm not surprised with Michigan. Cincinnati was the one team that... I'm not surprised they made it in. They deserve to be in. But to me, it's just... I'm glad they held true, but also this is where the college football committee could have just bent them over. Could have been but a UCF you, situation. But they also could have opened the door to some great things, too, if they'd wanted to, because at the end of the day, they're the only undefeated team in college football. Now, I understand the main argument against what I'm about to say is strength of schedule, so I'm not going to address it because I understand it probably does counteract my argument. But the argument for Cincinnati being higher than four, they only played a certain amount of games against quality or ranked opponents, but again, they handled business. They played 25-ranked Houston in their championship game and decimated them. It was not a close football game. 38 to 20, I believe, is the final score. Um, They can hang. They, we don't. We, we have no way of knowing if they can compete with Alabama. We're about to find out, and they're probably about to lose by 50. But I feel like in this scenario, you should give a team like that the benefit of the doubt because not only did Bama lose a game, Bama struggled in the game before Georgia. They, they almost lost to Auburn, which they should not have. Yes, they came back and, and proved whatever doubters wrong yesterday, but it shows there are chinks in this armor. Cincinnati, despite the fact that they haven't played anybody, has shown no vulnerabilities yet this year. We, we don't know the difference in actual skill set, but like, I, I don't know, in terms of what this is in rankings, you're not actually able to guess the best team. You just have to do it based off of the facts. I would have put Cincinnati probably at two, but you know, that's, that, that's me. That's my own rankings, but either way they're in it and that's, what's important. So shout out to them um, on, on just an excellent season. I think the only other thing I would have, I'm curious to see how much consideration Michigan did get for number one. Because I think Bama's the better football team. I think they deserved it, especially after how they played yesterday. Um, and in the side-by-side comparisons, it looks like their strength of schedule was a little tougher than Michigan's too. But Michigan played very well after that loss to Michigan State. You know, they, they, they really played almost mistake, not, not mistake-free, but, but almost mistake-free football. And in that game against Ohio State, they did things that we never thought capable for this Michigan football team. I think that deserves a little more traction than just Alabama's here. We have to give the number one. But at the end of the day, maybe that's going to bode better for Michigan. There's less pressure on them as a two seed. But Georgia, that's a tough, tough matchup. It definitely is. That's the more intriguing of the two matchups. So, and, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, who knows? But uh, I think this is time for what do we think is going to happen for the playoffs? We'll talk about the exactly. bowl season when those get announced. But right now, playoffs, what's happening? So I know everybody in their world has to be predicting an Alabama-Georgia rematch, I assume. Um, that, that's my, my big guess. I know there are a good amount of Michigan fans out there. Michigan has, a, I'm sure, a 50% chance to win this game by the BPI percentage. But something about this Bulldogs team feels like everybody's always all year been looking for the thing that's missing in, the Michigan, in this Michigan team because Michigan always seems to gloriously fall apart at the end of each season. Um, but they haven't yet, which has been the crazy thing. 
for me and have grown grown up watching Michigan. My mom went there. I was a Michigan fan until I went to Iowa. I know it's coming. I know it's going to happen. And they only have two games left to, to do it. I think it's going to happen against Georgia. As much as I don't want to say it, I think we're getting an SEC championship rematch. I don't, I don't even need to pretend to think that Cincinnati is going to win their game. If they do, I'll be the happiest man in the world, but I'm predicting Bama by 20 on that side. Yeah. I was going to say the Cincinnati Bama game, if Cincinnati were to upset them, it would, it would be up there for greatest upsets of all time. I imagine they're going to be, if they do upset Bama though, I think that's what opens the door for non-power five teams to get ranked one or two in the playoff. Let's flip that the other way though. What if since he loses by 40, then it will remain. They have to undefeated all year, have played a couple good teams to maybe slip in as a four seed. It, it okay. does hurt though. It, it could mean this Cincinnati team doesn't make it if Notre Dame had a championship game to play, you know? Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. But yeah, I'm going to say Bama beat Cincinnati. I, it's really going to come down to how good is Georgia's defense against Michigan. Michigan being very run heavy. If Georgia stifles that, yeah, they're, they're, they're boned. The, no Bulldogs pun intended there. Sorry. But <laughs> that was good. I, that, that's going to be the intriguing game. That's the Orange Bowl. I would agree that there would be an SEC rematch. What I was reading before I said the rankings, which was kind of like tripping over words, the college football committee got asked, like, did a rematch coming in for the first round affect your rankings? So, like, Bama being one, and then would you put Georgia at four so they could – They did you try to avoid a rematch? And they said no. So, well, I think that's a little bit – I'm sure there was a little bit of consideration there. It has to have at least been brought up in the room, right? Yeah. I'm going to also say SEC rematch, but then once we get that rematch, does Georgia take away that crown? Are they, you know, hungry dogs run faster? Do they beat them? First of all, the scenario of Alabama Georgia is just no fun because I don't want to root for either team. And I don't want to root for Alabama, but this has just, it, it's one of those years where nobody's really, like even Georgia being undefeated until last week, like had never really established themselves in my mind as the definitive best team in college football. And whenever that happens, I always think about who the best team in the league is and how they're doing. One year, it was the New England Patriots, the NFL. This year in college football, it's Alabama. It's just no one's taken the reins, and they're still in the mix. It's their year. They're just going to take it because they know what to do. Alabama is going to be back-to-back national champions as much as it pains my soul to say. That being said, if Michigan plays Cincinnati in the national championship, I I might just bet $1,000 on it because I'm so happy it's happening. Like, I don't don't know. (laughs) I would tend to agree that this is Alabama's year. And for the sake of anyone listening who hates the Patriots, I would highly recommend rooting for Alabama because every year since Nick Saban went back to Alabama, either the Patriots have won the Super Bowl or Alabama's won a national championship. So, you know, I'm going to say that streak continues. It's insane. I know. But it goes to show you how good Bama is. Yeah, no, Bama and, and the Patriots too. We'll get to the Patriots in a little bit here, but, uh, yeah, no, Bam, Bama's dominance has, I mean, they're, they're the best team in college football in terms of at least since the playoff era has, has been dawned upon us. So we will, we will see, though, you know, two teams that have never been in the college playoff before, two teams that have been here and know what they're doing, split apart, get to play each other. It'll be exciting. Not going to happen for a couple of weeks here now, though, because you got to give these young guys some rest. 
but exciting stuff from the world of college football bowl season is slowly upon us now as, as we're getting going to get into the crappy bowls and then we'll have all the rest of the bowl games probably announced over the course of this week next week maybe should be yeah they need to announce that the papajohns.com bowl is back that is the most iconic name for bowl. bang love it I, I will always forget or never forget the tostitos fiesta bowl that that's got the best name because that's when they started i don't know if the fiesta bowl existed until like boise state existed as well but i just like to think that me too and that had by far just the best name like it was immediate advertising like it used to be just the rose bowl the sugar bowl and you know i know it's changed names but i remember all state sugar bowl i remember like like vizio rose bowl that's what it used to be yeah it changed to something else but yeah Advertising's cool. I mean, the Peach Bowl being the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl. There's another the good one. Capital One Bowl, right? They're all Capital One dot com. I like any bowl that has the word dot com. I think that's just great. so outrageous. And then there's always the classic Monarchy Car Care Bowl. Ah, yes, Monarchy Car good Care stuff. Bowl, or the Bell Armed Forces Bowl. <laughs> Let us know what your favorite bowl game is based off name, based off of only based off name, only based Not off name. We don't want to care importance exactly. Other than that, though, college football regular season has now concluded, and we will keep you updated on the bowl schedule and the college playoff schedule as it gets closer and closer. For now, we're going to move forward here. We're going to go over to the MLB real quick. Usually, we would have some free agency updates, maybe some trades have happened. Well, a little different this week for baseball. Um, They're currently in a lockout. It is not a lockout that's projected to hamper the start of the season or the length of the season anyway, but basically in 2016, the players association and and the MLB itself agreed on a new collective bargaining agreement in terms of how, how much uh, players get paid in certain situations, you know, home games or road games, what leverages they have in terms of free agency, in terms of arbitration, basically from, you know, reading a few articles about it, what I gathered was that this most recent players, uh, excuse me, collective bargaining agreement, was much more beneficial to the players association than it was to the league owners and the franchises themselves. Earlier this week, that agreement ended, it expired. And almost immediately the owners came together to lock out the players association, essentially just saying no contact between players and teams of any kind, no free agency negotiations, none of that until we get a new agreement in place. One that I assume, and I assume most people are gonna assume is one that's going to be a little more lucrative for the owners and the franchises rather than the players. Basically, the players can't do anything right now. They just have to come to terms with a new bargaining agreement. That's that's basically what has to happen at this point. Um, it's, like I said, not expected to, to delay the start of the season, but it also doesn't necessarily have a direct timetable at this point as to when it's going to be resolved. But either way, this, you know, this is something that could come up every once in a while, especially with agreements that only last a few years. No lock, no, no full lockout expected to happen. Baseball hasn't had one in how, how long? It was 94, 95 or 90. It was right around, I mean, when Jordan joined, that was the whole, yeah. he, when he was playing baseball, that was the whole bit where it's like, oh, is he going to become a white sock? Yes. And are they going to get like mercenaries to play instead of the players who are locked out and eventually answer was no they resolved it but mm. it's been a while and you know i think the last one that actually 
took off an entire season was the NHL lockout, if my memory serves me correct. That happened almost at the same time as the NBA lockout, though, right? It happened, like, a little afterwards. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We're really testing the sports memories today. <laughs> uh, we're testing my, like, 10-year-old memory, and that's, that's just a problem. But, no, I, I think you're right. I think hockey is the one that most recently had a lockout. A full um, lockout. We yeah, like, like so, the late season, games missed, stuff like that. <clears throat> but that's where we're at for baseball. So if you're wondering why Clayton Kershaw and Grinke haven't, haven't uh, stated where they're playing next year, it's because they can't. They are not allowed to talk to those teams that they're negotiating with right now. Um, so once that starts to get resolved, we get a clear you know, picture of what's going to happen. You know, they still have four months before the season's supposed to start, like, like you mentioned at the top of the show. So it's, it's not something that you know, necessarily needs to full-on rush, but in terms for something like spring training to start on time, for free agency to end on time, you know, they're going to have to get going. They're going to have to figure some kind of agreement out here, and that's probably what we're going to see over the course of the next week or two. So that's it for baseball. Moving in to the world of the NBA, some upsetting news for me and my Heat fan base. Uh, All-star center Bam Adebayo tore a UCL in his finger. He is going to be out around four to six weeks, could be up to two full months. Um, <clears throat> that, that, that isn't also a definitive timetable. That is an estimated timetable. So there's no definitive date on when Bam is supposed to be back. Jimmy's also been out of the lineup. So the Heat have been rocking with some interesting lineups. Um, we'll see what they do in terms of replacing Bam. They have a handful of centers on deck. They have Dwayne Dedman. They have Omer Ustreven. God bless. They still have Udonis Haslam. Um, I, so I doubt the Heat are going to make any kind of drastic move, especially with the best center available to Marcus Cousins having just being signed to the Bucks. So don't, don't expect any major change, but the Heat are going to fall in the standings a little bit. This isn't, you know, Bam Adebayo is one of the best defensive players. He and Jimmy, he and Kyle have had a great chemistry all year. So him, him not having his presence in that rotation is very much going to affect the Heat. I don't expect them to fall out of the playoff race by any means, but just something to kind of note. Um, for Miami, what is one way they can kind of almost work around Bam's injury until he's able to get back on the court? I would honestly say, and this is very just anti, Heat are very defensive heavy. We know that. They play, I would say, a more conventional style of basketball. I would say just go with like, do like a small ball Warriors lineup. And just play like let's just rip a bunch of threes. And I'm not saying that as let's throw games, but why not give that a go? They have a very complete team. I think the one thing that they lack, other than a few shooters, is the ability to shoot the three. I mean, like Tyler Hero, sure he can shoot. Duncan Robinson can do that as well. But the guys who normally don't do it, Jimmy Butler, for example, or don't don't do it effectively. <laughs> just give give them a chance play you're not going to turn into Steph Curry and the Warriors however maybe give it a chance because the Heat have a clear path to get out of the East like they're in contention obviously I'm not saying they will but there's more hope than a lot of other teams that we like here anyway when you go up against that Western Conference team whether it's the Warriors Suns they're also very complete teams you're probably going to need to potentially shoot your way out of situations or at least a way to do it. I I like that a lot actually, because, you know, Bam being on the court obviously helps Miami more than it hurts Miami, but there are going to be some scenarios where it's, it's possible that Bam Adebayo just for whatever reason is a liability with 
who the Heat have on the court versus who the other team has on the court. If you take the time while he's out now to establish a lineup that functions essentially the same way and, like you said, does something like shoot the ball a little bit more efficiently, that's going to help against it, especially a team maybe like Philly, who isn't the best three-point shooting team, or like the, the Nets, who we're going to have to keep pace with offensively. Stuff like that opens it up because then you can get Bam his rest during the playoffs when he's healthy and not really lose too much traction on the scoreboard. That's, that's a really important thing to note. My, my one last question on the Heat, do you think they should uh, start P.J. Tucker at center? <laughs> I don't hate that. I honestly it, don't either. It, that's a bend-don't-break scenario, though. Like, whoever's at center will have a good game, but it's like, can they hold them enough? I, I think what's going to happen is we're going to see Dwayne Dedman start. We're going to see Omer Ustevin get some starts. Maybe even Marcus Morris, or Markeith Morris, excuse me. But especially closing games, you're going to see P.J. Tucker in at center. You're going to see if he go to that small ball lineup. I know you're mad about that. <laughs> I, I don't – no, I don't hate that, though, because you have – that's the shooting ability I was talking about. Where you exactly. Threes. Spreading the floor, you know, doing what Bam can't while he's gone. It's, 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 it's a smart strategy. It's a shame that the Heat will not be playing the Nuggets at any point this year because then I'd have Markeith Morris at center. Markeith versus Jokic starting center matchup. That's a bloodbath right there. <laughs> that's a bloodbath for the Heat. Oh uh, yeah, the Heat. We we don't want to get a fight in the Morris brothers versus the Jokic brothers. We uh, listen a few episodes back. We talk about how that would play out. Um, but that's what it's looking like for Miami right now. Just took a brutal loss to the Bucks last night, so they got to figure some things out while Bam's out of the lineup to be able to keep face, keep themselves in that top six at least, very least in the play-in scenario, which shouldn't be an issue for them. Little more we're going to touch on on basketball here. The Indiana Pacers. They've been in the playoffs. They were in the playoffs two years ago, one year ago, and they were in the play-in last year. However, those two actual playoff appearances they had two and three years ago swept in the first round both times. So nine and 16 to start this season. Is it time for the Pacers to start thinking about blowing this thing up? you got guys like Sabonis, Brogdon, Turner, who could bring in some decent picks. You already have a young guy like Dwart who's doing pretty well for you. Is it time for the Pacers to start thinking that way? Yes. Ricard, we were criminally wrong on Ricarlisle. Yes. <laughs> it happens. What I, I'm, here's, I think there's blow it up. Let's hypothesize, like, what should they keep and what should they get rid of? Like, what's, what's their long-term pillars? Because Sabonis, I would tend to believe, is their best player. Yes. Do you keep him or do you try and get a ton of capital out of him? I think he has the most tr- – okay, so there's two scenarios in my mind. Malcolm Brogdon, I think, is stuck on this team. I think too many people draw too many questions with his injuries. I think that's the only reason he hasn't been traded already. Okay. DeMontis Sabonis, I'm a little worried they're going to – they, like, I think DeMontis Sabonis is a very, very good basketball player, but I think the Pacers think he's a little bit better than he actually is, especially on defense, and they might ask for a little bit too much, almost like a Ben Simmons, like, you got to work with us here sort of thing. I think Miles Turner is the most primed player to be traded. He does two things better than most other centers in the NBA. He rebounds the basketball and he protects the rim. He blocks shots. He is leading the league in in blocked shots by almost a full block right now. I I think there's a lot of teams interested in that. I think a team like the Mavericks would be very interested in a guy like Miles Turner. I think a team like the Golden State Warriors would be very interested in a guy like Miles Turner, especially if Wiseman's injury gets delayed in some way. I think a team like Boston would look into him. I think there's lots of good suitors for him. I, I don't think the Pacers have ever been his, 
his best place. I think even the Spurs could be a sleeper team. The Spurs have always talked about how much they like Miles Turner. Lots of teams are going to ask if he becomes gets on the open market. Where I talk about Sabonis maybe bringing in less than he might be worth, Miles Turner has a very good chance to bring in more than he's actually worth because yeah. Miles Turner is not a very good offensive player, but he's an excellent defensive player, and teams love that out of a center. No, I completely agree. And sorry for my, like, exasperated reaction to all that. I know you may have saw it. Um, so I am watching the Eagles game right now. It's 1 o'clock. And there was a stat that got pulled up. It said Philadelphia is 11-0 against the Jets. It's the only team the Jets have not beaten ever. And then immediately there's an 80-yard kickoff return. Not for a touchdown, but just to the 20. So <laughs> I, this is going to be a, just a tough, tough day. Garnet, just believe, believe in the stash. We're not getting, yeah. Minshew mustache. We're not there yet. We'll talk about football shortly, but I just had to get that off my chest before I forgot. (laughs) Miles Turner, though, is the one player who would get much more return. Levert and Brogdon, I don't know if they're stuck on the team, but the injuries are the big red flag for people. Brogdon's the one I could see getting traded for something, but the history doesn't help. Levert, I think, is very much stuck on the team. Yeah. Another sleeper team, though, I know you hate this, the Nets. I don't know what they have to offer, but that's like, that, that's really like if, it if depends the Pacers want to go full thunder. Yeah. That, I mean, it's definitely, look, the Nets are going to put their name in the hat if they can make it work. Their hat in the ring, excuse me. Um, my concern is, can you give up enough money? Because, you know, you, they have three players tied up to what I have to assume is 85% of their salary. Miles Turner is probably getting paid somewhere around 11 to $20 million. I don't know if they can like match that in terms of salary. Spicy idea. You give Kyrie Irving to the Pacers. The Pacers and the Pacers then the you get like Brogdon and Turner or some take money work. I don't know. That would be such a mess though. Like it would work. It would totally, like, I don't know if Kyrie Irving has a no trade clause. I, I don't know about that. I don't think he does. Kyrie Irving has a, I'm going to retire if you trade me. Exactly. But also at the end of the day, he's not going to play for the Brooklyn Nets maybe ever again because of this vaccination issue. Look, if, if, if the Pacers can make that happen, excuse me, if the net, because I also assume they're getting some draft capital in this, I pull trigger a hundred percent. You're first of all, the potential chance of Kyrie Irving playing for your team is already better than anything Miles Turner could do for you. Plus, what I mean, you're also going to continue to hurt this Nets team in the future by taking whatever draft picks they have left. They already traded the, the house for James Harden. That, that's where I really come to concern. I just don't know if they actually have any assets to offer at this because LaMarcus Aldridge and a first round pick is not an enticing offer at this point. No. But yeah, other places where Turner could go. I Celtics seems like a good spot, but Celtics will never pull the trigger on assets. Or if they try to, it's going to be so one-sided that the Pacers are like, no, we can get more for that. They're also set in their Al Horford ways. <sighs> yeah. That, how, how much does it pain you that the only team he's ever been bad for was the Sixers? I mean, technically the Thunder though. But he still averaged double digits for the Thunder, which is not something he did for the Sixers. He did average double digits, not by much, but he did what, average. Like 10.1? Hey, that's double I honestly thought it was under 10. I, I, genuinely I, I don't think so. I think it was like 12. I think you're I right because I think he started wrong. starting at the end, but whatever. Well, yeah, it, it, that was a mess. But what's some other places? Let me think here. 
The Spurs are interesting, but I also think they're sort of stuck where the Pacers are, where they just they don't know what to do. Yeah, like adding a guy like Turner helps, but I don't know if it helps enough to really like him and Murray would be a fun duo, but I don't think it'd be an elite duo by any means. I don't think the Mavericks because that I don't think works with Porzingis unless you you very much want to get rid of him. I don't, I, I don't know. I think it does because again, I, I will never accept that Chris Apps Porzingis is a center. He's not a center. I think if you play him to do whatever his bullcrap unicorn offensive game is, and you let Miles Turner play defense, that is like that's already what they're doing. Is they're playing Chris Stapps, well, at least up until this season, was playing Chris Stapps at the four and a defensive-minded center at five. But the defensive-minded centers they've been playing are, are Willie Cauley Stein, are Dwight Powell. They're not very good basketball players. Oli, you, you put in a guy like how good Willie Cauley Stein is. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to bring in a Shaq and a fool reference here. Um, just, just know, remember that if you're a Kings fan, your team drafted Willie Cauley Stein. Just remember that if you're a Kings fan, I don't even know if, I don't even want to make a joke. You're probably just already sad enough already as it is. I, I, I will never disparage a Kings fan. Uh, um, but, but regardless, this strategy has worked enough to get the Mavericks to the playoffs, but not win a series. I'm curious to see what the scenario would be if that defensive-minded center is actually a good defensive player like Miles Turner. I Again, I don't want to give Miles Turner too much credit because I do believe he's a little overrated. But I do think he, like I said, he brings rebounding, he brings defense. Those are two things the Dallas Mavericks severely lack. I don't know, you know again, what? if they're monetarily really able to do it. They seem to have a huge hard-on for Jalen Brunson for some reason, but I don't know. I, I think me, it would be an interesting move at the very least. Let me them. throw one more at you and – this is just because I love to cause chaos. Clippers. See, that is interesting. Because my, my assumption is you move an aging Serge Ibaka plus a pick, maybe. Yeah, and you could give um, uh, Zubat. Zubat, yeah. Like, I don't know if the Pacers have any Zubots. interest in him. I'm sure the Clippers would be happy to send him away. Yeah, and uh, then especially because that, you know, getting another guy like Turner – hopefully alleviate some more pressure until Kawhi comes back. Cause Kawhi, who knows when he's coming back at this point, we have no right. real timetable for him. But if you were um, able to keep that core of George, you get, you keep Kawhi another year, you'd have Turner, keep Morris, especially as a role player. Keep, and keep then you Reggie have Reggie Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. That, like if you can keep those intact, I think that's well worth it. And then you have contributors like Batum, you got, uh, Eric Butts. <laughs> Trey Mann, or, yeah, Terrence Mann, excuse me. Trey Terrence Mann's Man. on a different team. Terrence Mann. Um, no, what? yeah, they have a very fun core. Just Swinslow's on that team, hilariously enough. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that would be a good core, because, you know, you already have two superstar two-way players in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and then you add at least a superstar defensive player to that core. That's the best third piece they've had since Kawhi and George signed in the Clippers, and that's not a question. That one, to me, would have the most impact throughout the league i think other than other than the nets i mean of course but, yeah uh so yeah that's kind of the thoughts on the pacers which you know it's funny because i think the pacers are a good treasure trove for talent but together it's just it's not working it just never quite work out the way they, they want it to it's a little upsetting but that that's where they're at so we'll see what the pacers do it you know th this story kind of came up over this week if the pacers should start to blow it up or not so i want to i want to you know, get ahead of that curve, talk about it before it becomes too much in the mainstream so y'all can understand that we know what we're talking about before everybody else did. One, one more thing, though, before we get off this. I said to Eric Bledsoe. Take it back. Did you see the tweet? It was something like 
man, rappers are so mean to NBA players. And it had like all these lyrics, and it was like you had some about like despair. Like I, you, you won't take a shot at me, like Ben Simmons. Like that's a, a rap line, for example. The one though, like through this random line at Eric Bledsoe, and it was <laughs> something like got more got more muscles than brain cells, looking like Eric Bledsoe, or just something like that. That is such a specific random line that you have to be obsessed with basketball to even reference Eric Bledsoe and reference the fact that he just has too many muscles for the way he, he he's so jacked and so stupid. I love it. I love it. All right. That's this, enough this is, of that. This is no Eric Bledsoe praise on this podcast. We, we won't slander him either. Let's just no, say he wanted out of Phoenix. He, he teeters the line for us. He does teeter the line. <laughs> last thing and i'm just gonna keep on bringing this up until it's it's back in our lives by the next episode it might be two more episodes but clay thompson is very very close to his return to the court for the golden state warriors he has been warming up with the team in full gear full uniform he he you can see how much he wants it you can hear it when he does interviews he is so ready to come back to prove he belonged on that nba top 75 list to prove the golden state warriors haven't gone anywhere so many chips on his shoulder. And I think at this point, especially you and I and most of basketball fandom are just ready to see what he still has left in the tank. It is, we're, we're anxious because it's so close at this point. He's hopefully past the point of any real setbacks. I just want Clay on the court. We want the Splash Brothers back, man. I'm a little nervous though, not because of potential injury. I'm nervous where it's a letdown. I'm so excited for Clay Thompson to come back. I want this already great Warriors team to get even better. Oh boy, Gardner Minshew threw a touchdown. Who would have thought? Let's go! Anyway. Minshew mania! Like a 40-yard bomb. I love it. We'll get to why Gardner Minshew's in in just a moment here, ladies and gentlemen. We'll Don't get to why Gardner Minshew's elite shortly. <laughs> That's a whole episode. I, I'm so excited. I just don't want it to be a situation where he comes back like he and isn't up to the potential that we all kind of hoped. Look, nobody should be expecting him to score 20 to 25 points a game right off the bat first of all he's probably coming back on maybe not a major minutes restriction but probably 25 to 30 right off the bat give him some time he's not going to shoot 45 percent from three in his first five games it's just not going to happen let it let it settle for a little bit but if it's been a month two months and he's still not up to par then it's like oh oh clay was done and this is unfortunate but you're right it is something that we need to because we're all so excited that he's coming back that that idea has almost been put to the side in everybody's minds. And it, it is a very real possibility coming back from an injury like this is a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. And what, I, yeah, he's coming back from two, he tore his ACL and then tore his Achilles. Like yep. those are both brutal injuries. A lot of people cannot come back from, or at least if they come back from, they're not up to snuff what they were before. I said, so. The Achilles injury I will always bring up is what ended Kobe Bryant. I would honestly, if I was the Warriors, just save him until Christmas. Yeah, really want to, like, he wants to come back earlier, and that's awesome. But I would, I would let him play one game because there's okay. that chance that he comes back on Christmas, and it's not you. Know, you want if if Christmas is the big Clay Thompson's back game, you want him to have a good game and have the right. rest off a little bit. You don't want him to sure. shoot two of seven in thirteen minutes. But yeah, the videos I've seen doesn't look like there's any rust, which is just so exciting. So excited. We will, we will 1 million percent be letting everybody in the entire world know when Clay Thompson's back on the court. So stay tuned for that. One final segment to get to here, that is our brief NFL report. Games are today, so you won't get this episode in time, so we're not going to do predictions for the day. 
but we'll we'll be back on the regular schedule of that for for our next episode. But for now, just some news going around the NFL. So it's been it's been brought up in rumors, and ESPN or excuse me, Sports Center was very eager to tweet about it that Ben Roethlisberger has started to tell people within the Pittsburgh Steelers organization that he is considering retiring at the end of this season. You're shaking your head, saying you know something that I don't know. Can you I give read me the that report differently. I I read it as he's not going to come back to the Steelers organization next year. So retirement seems like the logical likely possibility. And I'd agree with you. He should get, this is his time to retire. However, it sounds like he is, I wouldn't say fed up with the Steelers organization, but maybe he wants to go somewhere else. I'll give two reasons for why it's possible. Number one, nobody wants to retire and live the rest of their life in the city of Pittsburgh. (laughs) Except for maybe Juju Smith-Schuster. He loves Pittsburgh. Number number two is Ben may still think he has more in the tank than everybody else does. And whether or not that's true only can be determined on the field. But if the Steelers just aren't willing to work with him to, to work in whatever system he needs it to be, which they've already catered so much to him. I mean, they've turned their offense into the fastest move. Like, fa- like Ben Roethlisberger throws the football faster than any other quarterback does after the snap. They've catered that to him because he doesn't have time to move in the pocket anymore there's not much more teams are going to do to cater to a 40 year old quarterback. And you couple it with the fact that he has clearly been on a downturn the last almost decade at this point. I don't even know who would start him. And at that point, you're not going to stick around to be a backup quarterback. So I, I that's why I assume prime you very well, what very well may have read into what Ben Roethlisberger was actually saying, but to know like he, he must have to have already have something almost set up for him after this for for playing for a team like somebody's old, a quarterback's gonna leave and they just need like a, a year in between getting their next guy Somebody you want to know like where Denver. he goes what where chicago gross him <laughs> and andy dalton now they're gonna they're gonna cut andy dalton and then they're gonna have justin fields and they still won't start justin fields and matt nagy will be around another year because you know why let me just cause even more chaos yeah we we ran a poll on twitter this past week of what coach needed to be fired most in the nfl and matt nagy won hands down wasn't close (laughs) not even yet not even close but yeah it's intriguing uh, I would love for a little bit more of Ben Roethlisberger controlled chaos if he went somewhere else. However, <laughs> the team where he goes, I'd love that chaos not, not to involve the Steelers. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it's basically retiring if he's off your roster. Exactly. Well, I, I here's assume the, the Steelers. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say Ben Roethlisberger, like he pulls a Brett Favre, not retiring, but he goes to a different team. It maybe oh, has nice. like, what if he goes to, what if he goes to the Browns? Like, throw it out. I'm not saying he should, but a team that's a rival, does that tarnish his legacy within the Steelers organization, even though I mean, he brought you two Super Bowls? You're, you're going to piss off a lot of people. Sure. But Ben Roethlisberger's jersey, no matter – Ben Roethlisberger could go win a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens, and his jersey will be hanging up in the rafters of, of Heinz Field the, the day after he retires. He's okay. a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's going to – like, you, you can – he can ruin his reputation in the eyes of the fans – but there is almost nothing he can do to tarnish himself as probably the best quarterback in Steelers history. Terry Bradshaw being the only competitor, but sure. Um, I, I just want that to be out there and not for you, but for, if that does happen, mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's winning a super bowl, either. <laughs> but just like, let's for any Steeler fan though, while 
there's disparaging remarks about Ben Roethlisberger at this point of his career. The guy did so much for your franchise, and let's not forget he went he went fifteen and one in his first year as a rookie, and went to the uh, went to the AFC, AFC championship, championship game against he, the the juggernaut Patriots. This week, and, and they only lost by a touchdown. It was no Ben Roethlisberger. In my opinion, Ben Roethlisberger is the best quarterback that's ever played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Terry Bradshaw threw too many interceptions. I'm sorry. Um, it's fair. Ben won two Super Bowls, made three. I don't know what more you could have asked out of it. He didn't win an MVP or anything, but I don't know what more you could have asked out of this guy. Um, yes, did he linger around too long? Sure, but at the end of the day, Pittsburgh wasn't clearly wasn't ready for him to retire anytime soon. As Mason Rudolph is not a starting quality quarterback. Dwayne Haskins, not. Josh Dobbs, no. Steelers aren't ready to let him go yet. Maybe the end of this season that thing, that changes, and that's kind of where this is coming from. But I, I will, other than him being a shitty person in real life, will not be mad at Ben Roethlisberger ever for what he does on the football field at this point. All right, there oh, you have it. Unless he keeps throwing interceptions to the Bengals. That was ugly last week. Yeah. That, that that is it though. So that's the that's the Big Ben news. Uh, Cardinals news. Top tier team in football. Going to be getting Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins back this week versus the Bears. My original question was, do the Bears stand a chance? The answer is just no. Um, no. But and you uh, know what? Live reporting. They already threw a touchdown pass. Like Murray, Murray to Hopkins. Hopkins. Yep. Yep. Classic. Classic. Welcome back. Back in business. Cardinals number one seed in the NFC right now. Uh, just got their two best players back. So. Good luck to them. The big news of the day, the one I've been all excited for, we've been referencing all day. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts did not start this week. It was a back injury, neck injury? I thought it was leg. Leg. I. It was something that's not going to keep him out for very long, but is going to make him miss this week, meaning Gardner Minshew stepping into the starting role. If you've been with us since the beginning, you know our love for Gardner Minshew, especially Baker over here. Minshew, as we've stated already, has thrown a touchdown pass today from what it sounds like. Was it to Devontae? No, it's to Dallas Goddard. Mother Hubbard. You can... I always start oh, Devontae Smith, and it always pisses me off. It's okay. <laughs> uh, what I will say, though, upset. beautiful 45-plus-yard dime. Goddard beat the defense, but, yeah, he he looks good so far. Granny's playing the Jets, so let's pump the brakes on the I'd play Minshew, Minshew over Hurts. Slander. <laughs> Uh, but that that's just some fun news for, for sports fans. But the real news for the Eagles, um, we remember in the offseason, they traded Carson Wentz for some conditional draft picks. It seems like the, the conditions are going to work out for the Eagles in which they are on pace right now to get a first round pick from the Indianapolis Colts. The main condition being Carson Wentz had to play at least 75% of the offensive snaps for the Colts. And that is very much on pace at this point so far as Carson Wentz has not missed a game yet. So I think he probably only has to play one more game, maybe two, and and it's and it's settled for the Eagles. So as long as he doesn't have any kind of season-ending injury this week, Eagles should be all good to get a first-round pick. I know I might have just jinxed you, so I hope you I didn't. Probably I, did. A little, little knock on wood there, but either way, Eagles in a good spot at least in that sense. And finally, guys, it's been what two years since we had Antonio Brown drama, and now he is very much back in center stage. If you've been following the reports, Antonio Brown, wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, faked his vaccination card at the beginning of the season. That has come. Actually, there's another player on their team that did as well, Brown being the big name player. Um, him and this other player have both been suspended for the next three weeks with other disciplinary action potentially coming into play for both Brown, the other player, and the Buccaneers as a whole. 
And the NFL has started to revise its COVID protocol and its vaccination protocol, probably in efforts to avoid situations like this, like Aaron Rodgers, all these scenarios where like, look, we're asking just if you are vaccinated or not. And if you're not, you need to test every day. Like we're not asking a whole lot out of you, but uh, just, just fun to know that Antonio Brown still, still a diva, still making some noise both on and off very much off the football field. Um, Buccaneers still in a pretty good spot though. I believe they're the four seed in the AFC or or NFC right now. Um, And they still have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So All right. If I'm not mistaken, that's all the news we had for you today. I think if we're not mistaken, we're going to save doing our projections for next week's NFL until our next episode. We will get that to you before the next week of NFL games. So you can hear our predictions before placing your, your bets on Sunday morning. So we hope you guys enjoyed the Spotify wrapped overview, the college football. We, we tried to make it a live show. We ended up missing it by like two minutes uh, but but basically right as it happened, we were on recording for you guys to make sure you knew everything you needed to know about the upcoming college playoff, baseball lockout, all the NBA and NFL news you could ask for. We'll be here. We'll be back next week. Like I said, full slate of NFL to talk about games already going on today. So, you know, get your beers, get your get your friends, start watching football. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We'll see you next week. Take care, everyone.